Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you for joining me today for this very special edition podcast episode. Today, we're going to talk about bonobos. Okay, some of you might be listening thinking, wait, bonobo who? Wait, what are you talking about, Corbin? We are going to talk about our closest living relative, and that is the bonobo. They are a great ape found only in the Congo in Africa. They share 98.7% of our DNA. They are relatively new to science. They were just discovered less than 100 years ago. A lot of people consider bonobos as the forgotten apes because we all know what a chimpanzee is. We all know what a gorilla is, but very few people know what a bonobo is. And I've always wanted to feature bonobos on the podcast. And we actually had a loyal listener, Colleen, write in and say, hey, can you talk about bonobos with the Friends of Bonobos of the Congo organization? And it was a great recommendation. And to be completely honest, it took about a year in the making to actually book a date and sit down with two of the most incredible scientists and people I have actually talked to on the podcast. So I'm so happy. It was well worth the wait. On the show, I have on the director of the Friends of Bonobos of the Congo, Fanny Menizi, and I have on Cynthia Garari. She is the scientific advisor of the Friends of Bonobos, and she also is the chief of the release sites that they have at the reserve. And I'll tell you what, these are two of the most fascinating people I have had a chance to talk to on the show. I learned so much about bonobos. I got to ask all the questions. And so, you know, for those of you wondering, one, what is a bonobo? <laughs> they cover that. I asked them the differences between bonobos and chimpanzees. I asked them about bonobos and let's just face it, sex. When a lot of people think about bonobos or they've heard of bonobos, you have seen videos of them and they talk about how they are very sexual. And I talked to them about that. I talked to them about their unique societies and how they differ from chimpanzees, you know, and they also talk about some really interesting things that have just been discovered. I mean, a lot of us, when we hear about, I guess, in the animal community about bonobos, we were sold this image of them being vegetarian vegetarians and how they're incredibly peaceful. Well, as you'll hear in the podcast, new research has come out that they actually indeed hunt. There are some societies or some cultures of bonobos that hunt and eat meat and they can be aggressive. So we are still learning so much about these animals. And I'll tell you what, I've done over 200 episodes of this show. I learned more about these animals than any other animal I've ever covered on this podcast. So I promise you have a lot to learn about these unique animals. And I promise that you will fall in love with bonobos. With that said, before we head to the episode, as always, if you are a new listener or you're listening and you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and a review. It really helps push the show out there. We are currently one of the top nature podcasts on iTunes, and that is because of you listening and uh, writing your, your comments, your reviews, and sharing this with friends and family. So I really, really do appreciate that. I also encourage you to join us on our Patreon page. The Patreon page
Patreon page is a way to support the podcast. For just $10 a month, you can support the podcast and listen to bonus after show interviews. And as always, we have a great after show interview with Fanny and Cynthia. We talk more, of course, as you guessed it, about bonobos. I also ask uh, Fanny about her mother, Claudine, who is the founder of the Friends of the Bonobos of the Congo. She is like the Diane Fossey or the Jane Goodall of bonobos. And I talked to her about what that was like kind of growing up and the work that her mother has done. I also talked to them about other animals you can find in the forests, which include okapi and the very dangerous dangerous forest elephant. So make sure to join us. All you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max, and I will include a link in the show notes. With that said, let's do it. Fanny, Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, are we, are you both in the Congo right now? Right now I am, I am in Paris and Cynthia is in Congo, but I'm traveling in, in, in a week to uh to to join Cynthia. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. It's so I love this technology with Skype. How like I mean like Cynthia, you're in the Congo right now and I'm in Idaho. Right. It's quite okay, I guess, but if it's it's gonna cut, I'm sorry. Oh Usually it comes <laughs> no, no worries. I, I think it's so awesome. I don't think I've ever done a podcast interview with someone like broadcasting live from the Congo. That is amazing. So I just, <laughs> you know, we actually had a listener suggestion. We have a very loyal listener. Her name is Colleen. And I think over a year ago, she mentioned your organization, Friends of the Bonobos of the Congo, and said you have to get these people on the podcast. And I just, I love the idea because I mean, people might be listening. They might not even know what a bonobo is. What is a bonobo? So a bonobo is a, is a great ape species uh, living only in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. It's endemic to this country. And uh, along with the chimpanzee, it is our closest living relatives, of humans' closest living relatives. Because bonobos and chimpanzees, they were separated about one million years ago. And their common ancestor was separated to us, our common ancestor, uh, about six million years ago. And so it's very interesting that the, the bonobos, uh, much less people know about them, even though they are our closest relatives, but uh, they, they were discovered only in 1929 to science. They are totally different than the chimpanzees. Bonobo is a very special animal. Um, I think we are very lucky to work um, with them for them. It's uh, one of the great apes that uh, we're gonna uh, maybe we're gonna lose if we don't do anything because it's also a challenge just having that great apes in one place in, in on Earth. I'm very fascinated by the like like Cynthia said they're very close. It, some people can look at them and think they are chimpanzee, but um, they 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 be their behavior is fascinating. I, I am always amazed about how their society is organized, how how different it is from ours, too. They were discovered in 1929. Did people just assume when they saw them that they were chimpanzees? Yes. So when you look at them, and, and also that time there was no internet, so it's not like you could see the difference quickly. So they were assumed to be chimpanzees. And, um, and then it was actually, uh, if I remember well, in Belgium, in Belgium, a, a, a crane, a cranium, 
sorry <laughs> if I don't say it well. I think yeah, the the skull of the bonobo was um, in a museum, and so the the person who looked at it uh, saw that it, it was like a, like a, a chimpanzee. So it was labeled as juvenile chimpanzee because it was a little bit smaller, but the the it was already fused together, so it was an adult, and that's how he discovered that it's a different species. And then at that time they didn't have any idea about uh, the behavioral differences. Yeah, what what are the differences between chimpanzees and bonobos? So so first of all, uh, in in the bonobo society. Uh, the females are much higher, uh, higher. They they have much higher hierarchy than uh, the females of the the chimpanzees. They have very uh, strong social bonds together. I mean, the females with the females, not only grooming, but they also have uh, like uh, different uh, sexual interactions, and uh, that also makes their their bonding stronger. And so together they can be actually dominant over over uh, males if they are together and um, and that's never like in chimpanzees it was never observed like this also the bonobo females they have a longer a prolonged uh, estrus period mm. and so they are they, they can have sex like throughout the month unlike the chimpanzee females which have only a few days of ovulation uh, like uh, around the ovulation of the sexual spelling they uh, have sex with the males and, and that's it. For, for the bonobos it's different, it's throughout the month. And um, it's difficult to see when they are ovulating. Maybe for the bonobo males it's not that difficult, but for, for, for humans it's very difficult. And also what, what is been mentioned uh, for, for the, the media, in the media is that they are less aggressive. There is, I mean, I don't want to say that they are not aggressive because they are, and uh, Fanny can talk a lot more about that because uh, she's the one running the by Bonobo. So uh, there, there is, a, of course, always problem there too, but not on the level of chimpanzee. So there is no infanticide ever observed. And also in the wild, when, when a group of Bonobo is meeting with the neighboring group of Bonobo, then their encounters are rather like peaceful. Of course, they argue a little bit at the beginning, but then they they... I mean, they have sex with each other, with the males, with the males, to females, with the females, and then they they are they can stick together even for for weeks sometimes, usually just for a few days. But I mean, with chimpanzees, probably you heard about that, that it's not rare that that chimpanzee males uh, do this patrolling around their their home range, and they can kill the neighboring group members. So these are the much differences. So like the females are more. Uh, dominant than in the case of uh, chimpanzee females, mm-hmm. the, they are bonding uh, together and uh, also the, the society is less aggressive. It's easy to jump directly to the sex thing because it's, it's for us human beings, we think this is fascinating that they can have sexual contacts, but we don't, we don't have to see it with our human being eyes. We, we, we should see it in a different way, but Still, people, this is the first thing they, they remember about Bonobo, is the fact that they have sexual contact without, mm, it's not a matter if you are a female or a male or what age you have, you can have um, sexual contact with your family members. Oh, really? 
Yeah, because they're all related in a, in a group in a way. For me, that is not the most fascinating thing about Bonobo and, and what I think is fascinating is it's the only society, um, and especially in, in Great Apes, where the um, big male is so important into the group, this is totally different. This is, we talk about females sharing the power together. So mm. this is two things would never happen in our world. One, power to the female. And second, sharing the power. <laughs> so <laughs> I like that. I like, and it's working. Guess what? It's working. I like yeah. the fact that sharing powers and how they bond together is true. It's true sexual contact. But also another thing which is, really interesting about Bonobo, mother and son never separated. Mm. They stay forever together. And um, the son have the hierarchy rank of her, um, her his mother. So I think that is also um, different. And the, 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 the daughters go and usually go to another group. Mm. The third thing that I really liked about them, they are not so territorial. I mean, even us human beings, we are so, it's so important where it's my home and where it's your home, where does it start, where does it, it's also about sharing also the land. Bonobo mm. have this faculty of sharing the power and sharing their lands, their habitats. So when food, of course, is not a competition, when, when there is like enough food for everybody, they can cross and share the same place where they eat and maybe they like Cynthia said maybe they can spend few uh, days together or weeks and you have giant groups of sometimes three groups of bonobos are sharing place this is amazing so those two things sharing power sharing the land and it's true that Cynthia is very scientific about this but I would say bonobo doesn't kill each other who do that <laughs> it's yeah. amazing and it's a treasure we have it in one place, it's magic. I mean, uh, they are so different. If we lose them, we lose a chance to to save a species that is so different from ours. Yeah, that is, you know, I, I'm happy you said, Fanny, that you're, I mean, because when you think of bonobos, everyone thinks about sex. I mean, truly about them, like, <laughs> I mean, that is like the number one thing. You've seen videos online and you see them all, basically having these giant orgies and I'm, I'm happy that you said that you know yeah that's interesting but that i think i had no idea that they that the females shared power that they shared the land i knew they were really peaceful but i i really i really like that you said that can we talk about some physical differences so if like we are looking yes. at a chimp and a bonobo what are some physical differences one is beautiful. No. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, I think they're way better looking than chimps, 100%. <laughs> this is a matter of taste, you know? It's like men and women. But anyway, Bonobo, I guess they are much smaller okay. and much longer. They have black faces, and sometimes chimps can have like different different kind of, uh, of skin, light. And they have sometimes, you know, the like light eyes. Bonobo are really dark. They are really, 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 really black okay. uh, faces. Parted hair in the middle. Exactly. And with hair um, in front of their ears, a lot of hair. Yeah. And they can also spend, I think, 20% of their time on, on, on two feet. Oh, they, my they, gosh. 
The reason anatomical reason for the explanation for that is that the distribution of the body weight with the chimpanzees is much more um, on, on the upper body and the bonobos are stronger with their legs compared to their upper bodies. So because of that uh, body weight distribution, it's easier for them to stand up. So it's not rare to observe, like in the, even in the wild, like you see them with two big uh, pieces of fruit and they are just walking. We're so similar to them. It, it, it blows my mind. <laughs> I mean, that it's kind That's of... Not, it's, we wish we can be similar to them. <laughs> yeah, I wish we were more like them. I, my mind is blown. 20% of their time just walking on their two feet like us, just hanging out, walking around with fruit. Because they use tools, because they... I mean, it's, it's more comfortable for them in that situation to walk in two feet. But yeah. yes, they spend a lot of their time, 20%. Since I am I correct on this, right? In, in captivity, I would say in Lola Yabunobu, definitely. In the wild, I saw that, but not as much as in captivity. Okay. I mean, Lola Yabunobu is semi-captive, like semi-wild. But uh, yeah, they do spend a lot. And especially in Lola Yabunobu at the beach, like because they have a beach. And there they enter in the water. And, and yeah, they spend a lot of time on, on like walking. In the wild, I didn't see that much because they spend a lot more time on, on the trees, but uh, but they do walk also like to like uh, on their on their legs, like in, in the white too. Wow, what do bonobos eat? And does that differ from chimpanzees? Their diet is based on vegetable proteins and uh, fiber. So they eat leaves, sometimes part of the trees. They eat fruit when it's the, the, the moment, but you, it's not constant what they eat because the forest have also her rhythm and you don't have, you don't find fruit, uh, flowers or, or leaves at the same time. So depending on the, the moment, they can eat uh, from leaves to um, small insects also. Oh. Um, they use tools like chimpanzee does. The major thing is, is uh, vegetable proteins and, and fiber, I would say. Yeah. And they do also hunt. I mean, it's very interesting. In in uh, Lola Yabonobo, they don't. I don't think they hunt ever. No, but uh, in in uh, right. Uh huh. In the wild, it's it's a cultural thing. Like some, so cultural means that it's really different from like different uh, groups in, between the different groups, because they pass it on the generations to the next generation. That's the culture. And so in some uh, bonobo groups, they. They hunt for for dikers, so the, the um, forest antelopes. Uh, in some other groups, they I, I saw them once hunting uh, for for um, the flying squirrel. Then I also um, like in some groups they 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 get some birds or eggs and and um, and even monkeys. So so actually they they even they were observed hunting for monkeys. But I would, I would maybe um, complete Cynthia on this um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Cynthia, but this is quite new. So this is the thing about Bonobo. We have very few data about them because at first they were observed for a long period in one area. But as Cynthia said, if you come from another planet and you come right. and you observe only Texas, this is not reflecting all the human being uh, culture. You, it reflects Texas culture. So this is the same with bonobos. Exactly. The fact that they were a lot observed in one area made us believe that this is 
true for every vulnerable. And now there is more and more project research. Um, the technology have changed and, and, and we have more and more information about them. And this is quite new. And it was not really easy to accept that in the scientific community, Cynthia. But yeah. it's true that we have now videos because first Bonobo were always presented as 100% vegetarian. It was also sticking with the image that they are sweet and lovemakers and blah, blah, blah. But now the new data show that depending where, Bonobo have a different way of uh, of feeding themselves. And, and in some places, it's true that they they are uh, eating some small animals like antelopes or squirrel. But one thing is sure is they are not having a strategy of um, like chimps can have, you know, chimps can have those hunting strategy. The videos that we have showed Bonobo who takes opportunity of something. They don't really think about how are we going to catch this? Like you have chimps inside the forest jumping from trees to catch one little monkey. And honestly, they are really good with a strategy of, of, of hunts. They do that more often, like normal. It's normal for them. Bonobo, it's like more exceptional. And when they had the chance, like the diaper was sleeping or it was easy to take, not everybody is eating it. It's just the female, and they let the little ones come too. But it's the male, the male in the video that I saw. They never ate. It mm -hmm. was, it was an opportunity to eat um, uh, animal protein shared with the high, I would say high people, the high bonobos <laughs> in the hierarchy, and they let and they let the small ones have taste. But it's not like chimps were fighting for strategy to hunt it's different it's it's totally different right Cynthia? yeah yeah they don't have that call that uh, level of collaboration than the chimpanzees exactly mm -hmm. but again what you just said is totally true that about the culture so like we we have knowledge because of uh, uh, like observations in the wild i spent uh, a few years in two sites of bonobos and there are not a lot more like four or five like fully habituated to human presence where you can actually observe their behavior so maybe there are some you know groups that could uh, be totally different in their hunting behavior maybe more similar to chimpanzees who knows so it's like uh, yeah if, if, if you if you are observing if you are an alien and you come to the earth and you observe uh, people and i don't know you go to new york and then uh, you have the conclusion to and, and you have no idea how people live in a village or how people live in other continents or like, I don't know, in the U.S., like totally different cultures. And, and uh, yeah, our, our image of bonobos is based on, on just a few sites. Yeah. And also, they are not, uh, I mean, Congo is big, huh? and yeah. they are living in so different forest type. You have bonobos. That was also revolutionary for the scientists. They told Bonobo, this is their home range. They like forests like this and this. And then, <laughs> bam, all of a sudden, I don't know, 50 years after, there's someone saying, there is Bonobo here, and it's not the forest type that you're talking about, guys. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes, really. So this is also <laughs> our approach about stuff. We are discovering it slowly and slowly. And for a species that we 
it's it's what uh, seventy less than seventy years ago, Cynthia, right? It was discovered. It's on nineteen twenty nine. It's gonna be hundred uh, in hundred ah. year in two thousand twenty nine. So like ninety ninety three, right? But it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and 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 talking about DRC, I mean this country. Yeah. It's not a country. It's a giant country in the middle of a continent. It's huge. It, compared to Europe, it can be like four or five countries. So how different the forest can be, and the bonobos are not everywhere that we know, but they are in they are in places very different. Like in our reserve, it's a swamp forest. You can find them in in forests where you have mosaic forest, like forest and then savanna and then forest. So there is a lot more to learn if the country is more stable, if we are able to observe them in multiple sites and if we are good enough to protect them because if we, if we continue like this, we're going to lose them. But if we are yeah. good enough, making a good conservation in those areas uh, and that means also work with the people over there, then we'll be able to, to protect them and then we'll be able to learn more about them but now it's like frustrating if we lose them right now we know like half of the story exactly and we i think we didn't have you forgot to say that they are endangered on the red list of iucn so on the red list of the international union for the conservation of nature and uh, they were already like almost uh, you know the, the scientists were already talking about putting them on critically endangered but as much as we know they didn't uh, hit the criteria yet, but uh, maybe they did actually because uh, we have very vague information on how many they are and the rate of, uh, of uh, killing them. So, um, I mean, if it was me, they were already critically endangered and I'm pretty sure that they will become critically endangered in the next few years. Yeah. There is also always a gap between how we put the, the the category and what is the reality on the ground. Yeah. I tell you by the numbers of orphans we receive at the rehabilitation center that definitely the threat is still there. And they are they said for one orphan that we get, ten adults can kill. Those yeah. last years we received nine nine orphans. That means ninety adults killed. And that is for the market like the, the the not not all the bonobos. I'm I'm concerned about few of them, but mm. the others they go where. I mean, there is a lot of hunting, and and now there is a lot of trafficking of uh, of wildlife animals. So, honestly, the rhythm is, is it is really scary, and we are not in wartime. How many bonobos are estimated to be left in the wild? Huh. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. No, there, there, is, numbers, but, uh, there is a big interval between the numbers. Like they say between five to twenty-five thousand. I mean, and some say like maybe they are even like uh, fifty thousand. Hmm. And the so now the number I think what they say is like they are between fifteen and twenty-five thousand. We talked about this with Fanny a lot, and and um, honestly, we, we we believe that they are on the lower um, uh, level of that scale but uh, but nobody really knows and that already says in itself that uh, yeah we, we we cannot really uh, i mean there there is a need for a, a lot more uh, like monitoring of their population it's, it's very difficult uh, in in the congo uh, to go to the field in general i mean uh, 
it's not only that um, not many scientists uh, want to come here, I believe, but uh, but uh, it, it's once you are on the ground, it's difficult to move from one side to the other because there are no roads uh, in, in the places where the Bonobo distribution area is. And uh, I mean, it's huge and and a very remote uh, region. It's just difficult to to study them. And uh, there are also security problems in in different parts of their distribution region. Not everywhere, but in some places, yes. So all these things make it it complicated. Uh, also, it's quite expensive to do any activities in this country. Yeah, but so, Cynthia, I think we can we can say honestly that it's been I mean nobody went there and count them like this because of the no. reasons Cynthia said, and that 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 uh, that number were. I mean, this number, I hear this number for 10 years now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's updated and... In the in Lolaya Bonovo, in the rehabilitation center um, of uh, which, which uh, fund is running. So, I mean, um, we, in the last few months, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, in the last few months, there were almost like 10 bonobos. In the last one year, definitely about 10 baby bonobos, orphans who came in and those are the lucky ones that we actually get to find or, or get information about their existence and who knows how many. So it's like incredible uh, rate of, of, of killing them. Why are people killing bonobos? To eat, honestly, there is the first thing is to eat. Yeah. Because um, the, the wildlife meat first feeds your family, but this kind of wildlife meat is uh, for a market, a special market. So they they hunt in the small villages in very remote places, and then they sell this wildlife uh, meat to bigger seller who bring it to the cities where people wants to eat um, wild meat. Uh, so it's very easy to have uh, even even other kind of meat like elephants, like turtles, mm. crocodiles, all kind of wildlife. But this is why also in our organization, we think education is really important because people don't know. Honestly, they don't know. They don't even know that they're going to disappear. They're like, no, they're here forever. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are here forever, but sometimes uh, there is no more. But you need to explain to the people, especially where the hunting uh, have places. This is why also we're developing programs in those areas with educators who can talk to the people, explain what is a bonobo, also the law, because this is the thing. You can have law on your papers. You can have so many different law. But if you don't, if, if you don't have solution to apply it, it's worth zero. For example, yes, they are protected by Congolese law, even international laws. But the poacher go to a place, he kill an adult bonobo, um, and then when it happens, mama have maybe a baby, and the baby's bonobo stay on the dead body of their mom. They don't leave their mom. Mm. So they cook their mom and prepare a little bit the meat, usually in front of those uh, orphans, and because they are too small, there's nothing to eat, those small orphans are better to sell as pets. So they see their families killed, prepared, <laughs> cooked. Um, they, 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 they are several, time, several days, weeks with those people. Um, and then we have an alert because of the 
of 20, I mean, more oh, than 25 me. years of work. People know that there is an organization protecting those animals and they know that some of them knows that they are protected. So we have the information. But from the moment the mother get killed and the mother, we have the information and that we can find them and rescue the, the orphan, there's the amount of time. And we find um, very, very small, vulnerable, very traumatized in very bad uh, condition, half talking, then we have to sometimes make them travel like three days on a motorbike to get to a place where you can find a plane. Then you will have to pray that a plane is landing there. And then the vulnerable is transported to Kinshasa where we have this re our rehabilitation center. And then they will start the, their rehabilitation. But this crazy journey before, some of them, they just, it's, this is why also there is very few bonobo in captivity because they are not resistant like chimp. They, they fall apart by sadness, honestly. They're just stopping eating. They just let it go and they stop eating and they just wait for death. And in, in Lola Yabonobo, they discover that they need love. To pass this trauma, they need love. And this is how the, what we call substitute mother um, what is their role? This, this is the heart of the project, how it started. They discovered that they need to make a transfer of affection with someone they trust. And then you can start build their confidence, their self-confidence, mm. and, and then they can start being rehabilitated. But this is also why in captivity they die, because a chimp, He's really strong. He can stay in small cages for years. And, and Bonobo have health issues that chimp have less. And they have this affect thing that they just let themselves die if you don't love them, if, if they don't have a connection. It's true that uh, they, they seem to be more vulnerable. And, um, and I, I'm pretty sure that with chimpanzees, though I don't have experience in chimpanzee rescue, that some individuals are also like that, but but with the bonobos, it's like I think almost all the individuals who came in, and and um, unfortunately sometimes they don't survive to the point that they get to Lolaya bonobo because they just don't have this level of, uh, they cannot trust in anybody, and I mean also they are badly uh, like uh, malnutri malnutrition or how to say that, sorry, and um, and uh, they have diseases totally traumatized they are sur survived like surrounded by the people who killed their mother and they i'm pretty sure that they remember all that so yeah it's a miracle what uh, the substitute moms can do and, and this system how do you go to these villages and tell them to stop killing bonobos because i like what you said fanny like you can't like there has to be a solution you can't just say stop killing them they're disappearing like how what is a substitute is there a, something else they can hunt something else they can eat of course this is the thing about conservation you know in the 70s they were doing conservation like this place is for animal and they were putting animal against human being like sort of a challenges and those people were like yes but what can we do? I mean, we're hunting to live. Um, I have a daughter to feed and, and someone to, to take care of. I need, I need solutions. So of course, if you want conservation to work, you need to make it with the people around. And I think the first step is make conservation worth their sacrifices. The first thing is 
you respect only what you understand. So first, they need to understand what is a bonobo and why a bonobo is more interesting alive than in your plate. <laughs> Second, what we do and at um, Friends of Bonobos in Congo, we support projects from communities. So it can be from um, education. So we support, for example, 21 um, primary school with furniture, also relationship with our educators. They are um, people that they are people from our team going to see the kids, explaining what, not only about bonobos but also about biodiversity, about the forest, about how everything is linked together. By protecting the bonobos, we are protecting more than just the bonobos. We are protecting even ourselves. In that case, when you live around those species, you depending from the forest. Um, and bonobos are also important for the forest. So those people, what we do to thank them of their their effort is we supporting their project, development project, uh, from education to health, for example, um, having access to electricity or energy is really challenging. We are helping them with that. We also explain and encourage um, to feed uh, their family with not wild animals, but farming, like uh, animals coming from the farming. Um, we are developing like fish ponds. We have a nutritionist in our team and he's explaining uh, to, the, to the mothers in charge of, the, of taking care of the family, how they can feed well their family with what they have access. Uh, because in our, in our reserve, it's not forbidden to get in. You can get in the, in the, into the forest to get um, to, to fish, to collect dead wood, because you depend on this forest. This is how you, you cook. This is uh, where you find, for example, the, the caterpillar, the season where people eat the caterpillars, so they have to go to the forest. So this is how we collaborated with, with the communities living around the, the Ecolo Yabonobo uh, community uh, forest. We, we find ways to make conservation possible with the, their needs. And when it's very in opposition, then we find alternative solutions, like farming or things like that. But uh, we also manage the reserve with them. Because the final goal, goal is the community should be in charge of their own forest. So for now, we are helping uh, th those community managing their biodiversity and trying to protect a place for the bonobo who's going to be reintroduced over there. So it's like a second chance for us. Okay, there were bonobo in that area. They all disappeared. Okay. It was not good. We, we didn't really make a good job here. Let's start over. And let's start over by put back Bonobo into this forest where they belong and also make it possible for the people having the benefits of this. And this is how we are thinking our project all the time. We put the Bonobo, of course, uh, first, but it has to fit with the community's way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Do you also tell them that they could get sick from eating the bush meat, like of get diseases? Have, you know that there is area in this area. We had Ebola. I mean, we had two years ago a reintroduction postponed because of Ebola, and it was less than a hundred kilometers 
on the river from our relief sites. So people know that. But of course, this is one of the arguments we are using. Health is important. You know, it's a huge risk. I mean, the pandemic comes like this. Uh, mm -hmm. There is more and more virus and you get um, in contact with those, those virus and then it spread to your community and then potentially to the whole world. So they are aware. And this is also one of the things we say um, in our education uh, message. But this is not the only thing, because there is other ad advantage working for conservation than just taking, taking. Even for them, they are able to see the difference between the time their dad went to hunt. He had to hunt for maybe two days, and then he come back with meat. Now they can see that for them, sometimes they need five days to reach an animal. So... You need to explain to them that there is an, a cause and effect. And the more, the more and more we are continue doing this, the less and less we leave for our kids. So let's find a way to do it, respect and, and respect the rhythm of the, the nature. For example, let's fish uh, during the good season. Let's use the good tools. You know, in those places, they don't even know the law. They don't even know that there is a time and places to fish. So with us, we make them understand better their forest, how it works. Like, no, you cannot fish in that period because the fish are having babies and you're going to kill all the babies. And then for the rest of the year, we won't have fish for everybody. Or no, you cannot use the nest, the mosquito nest that the World Bank give you to fish because it's, a, it's a, not a good tool. Like things like that, it's a conversation. But... In order to, to do it well, you need information. This is the key. And then they respect, they understand, we find ways, and they can see also the advantage. If you wait the good period, then you have bigger fish. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing with conservation, and it starts with education. That's, that's uh, the motto of uh, our organization. That conservation starts with education and then you have to provide alternative activities also because that's their way of living here the, the communities have the forest so when you provide alternative activities only then you can say that now we will enforce the law because until then you just make them starve you cannot do that so these are the three elements that we have to respect and and even the order so it starts with education and alternative activities, and then the enforcement. And we do follow that. So for example, there are still some activities in the forest that they are doing, and we see that it's not sustainable, but we didn't come up with better solution yet, and we are working on it, but until then we won't say that you cannot fish like that, because then they cannot uh, make a living. So that's that's what we try to, to do. Mm, that's, oh my gosh, there's so many elements to conservation. And I'm so happy you guys explained that. I'm assuming you don't have many tourists. I mean, I, cause I would say, you would say like, oh my gosh, we could, you know, we could save these bonobos for tourism. But I mean, it's the Congo. I don't, I don't think many people, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Do you, do you get a lot no, of tourists? No, you're not wrong on, on, on all of it. So this is the thing. Tourism can, what you see with gorillas is amazing example about how tourism can help a species and they have amazing result and it's a country objective, it's a, a national strategy and this is a wonderful example about how good tourism can be for a species. But we also have bad examples and, and honestly those things take time and we are 
to the size we are. We are not a huge organization. We're a small organization and we want to do the thing right. So for now, we are thinking that we are not ready yet, but we have huge potential. Why? And I'm going to tell you why. First, there is, there is no security issue in our area. We're not talking about the Virungas. We're not talking about armed group that can take you or whatever. There's no risk, honestly. It's very safe. Uh, it's not so far. Uh, we have the chance to have an airport very nearby. So your trip will be this. You arrive in Kinshasa, and then the next day you take a plane, less than two hours. You land in the middle of the rainforest. I'm telling you, it's like, I think this place haven't changed 20 million years ago. <laughs> so you arrive in the middle of a broccoli because you, when, when, you, when you are in a plane, for hours you are like up in the sky and you see this giant broccoli and like, oh my God, this is amazing. Congo is, is, Congo is amazing. Then you land mm. in the middle of the forest with black rivers, black rivers, I'm telling you, it's like being on a mirror because it reflects everything and and the color are bright. You take a small dead canoe for 45 minutes and then you, you can see, you will go along our reserve and you will, if you're lucky, you will see a group of uh, Bonobo back to, to the reserve that we, because we reintroduced two, two groups. Then we, you arrive in a small camp and then your journey starts. It's beautiful, but we want to get this. You don't have two chances in this. So we are getting ready, but we want to offer to the tourists a good condition. And we want to make sure that their impact goes to the community. So we need to prepare also the community for this project. And you know that um, we do the opposite job of conservation with the Bonobo who went uh, from Lola to Ecolo. Because the Bonobos who come at the rehabilitation center were in contact with human beings. And sometimes, like we explained, they had like a really huge bonds between their, their keepers, their nurse. And so for us, we need to disabituate those Bonobos from human beings in order to be able to live by themselves. So we cannot bring tourists to the groups we reintroduce. So for that, we are um, we have this project of make habituation with wild bonobos because we don't want to interrupt the process of of our reintroduction. So we will be able to bring the tourists and um, have the chance to see wild bonobos, and that takes time. If you want to do it good, it takes time. So yeah. we are getting there, and I, I really hope that is uh, sooner than longer. But I, I hope in, in, in less than, than, I would say, 10 years, we will be able to uh, make people to come in, in the heart of the forest. For now, we have tourists in Kinshasa, in the rehabilitation center, where they can see bonobos, um, and they can have the facility uh, um, it's not like bringing them in the middle of nowhere. There's also health, health issues that we have to solve. There's many challenges. Um, before having someone there, we need to solve some of the challenges that we have. But, but, but I'm sure we, we, we will be able to do it. And hopefully Corbin will, 
you can be our first guest. Yes, I would. Yes. Please, I honestly, <laughs> get me on a plane. You don't need to get it perfect but for me. You can already come to discover bonobos in Kinshasa. Come. Really? Yeah. Okay, so there are places where people can see bonobos. Definitely. Yes. Yes. In our, um, in our rehabilitation center, there is facility and we, we receive tourists over there. Uh, and they, they... I mean, we are definitely ready for that. Uh, I'm not sure about the, the, the COVID situation right now, but I think that, uh, I mean, yeah, we, we are already ready for that. Yeah. yeah, right now, right now, when we're talking, we have five people coming from Russia. True. Um, and, and they are in, in, in the sanctuary and they, and they will discover bonobos. Wow. Because okay. this is also a chance of uh, having close observation of them. It's very difficult to see them. When you have the chance to see them in the wild, um, honestly, the habituation sites are, are still in the process of habituation. So you can see them from far, but not as close as you can see them in, in, in Lulaya Bonobo Sanctuary. Just wanted to say that in Lolaya Bonobo, they are semi, semi captive, semi wide. So it's like huge thing, like 30 hectares. Do I remember well, Sunny? Yes. Of, um, of uh, like really proper, beautiful forest. And you can see them in their natural environment because of that. I need some pointers though, because I need to convince my wife to go to the Congo. Because honestly, a <laughs> lot of people here in the States are scared because it sounds dangerous. Is it dangerous to travel right now to the Congo? It sounds dangerous because people hear what is going on on the east side. But let me tell you, from Kinshasa until those places where they say it's dangerous, there is more than twenty uh, that 2,000 kilometers. We don't even have the same hour. That you have two different times. So yeah. it is very far away. It's like being in the middle of France and being scared to, of something what is happening in Russia. Oh, yeah. really? Actually, yeah. Like when you're flying, it takes like two, three hours from the West to get to the East with a plane. So it's like, actually, I'm, I'm from Hungary and uh, it's like uh, from, from Budapest to Paris. It's like uh, that distance. Okay, so, so it's... Hungary is like East, Eastern Europe and, and France is Western. So it's like a huge difference. Hungary is a huge country. This is also why it's difficult to manage, but it's, it's, very, it's a very big country. So people think about those stories, um, what is going on in the East, insecurity, the, the women problems, but it's very different from our side. And even from the north, even the the, the, the protected area, Ecoloya Bonopo is not really concerned about this. It's just difficult and yeah. we are just not ready to host the tourists yet. But there is no security issue over there. This is yeah. why also we think we can do it. Okay. Honestly, I want the risk to take uh, people uh, in places where you can have like armed group or things like that. So no, no, there is no risk. And it's very easy. Kinshasa have... A lot of planes are coming. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. tell me. So we would have to fly into what? What was the the city again? Kinshasa. Kinshasa. Okay. And then it's the capital of the DRC. Okay. And that's where we would fly into. Now my question is: So you said, and just just to clarify, so you said the the actual reserve or release sites are not 
ready for tourists, but the Friends of Bonambo Sanctuary is ready for tourists, correct? I just All want right. to clarify. Okay, okay. So that's so that is they a place that there for for a long, long time. I don't know how many years, many years. Okay. It's beautiful. Okay, so we can go visit that the actual Friends of Bonobo Sanctuary. We just can't go yet to where to the release sites. Exactly. I'm gonna convince my wife. I swear. I, you know, I, I, I'm serious. I, I really would love to see a bonobo. Okay, so I have some questions. They aren't really in order, but do bonobos and chimpanzees ever intermingle in the wild? No, they are separated by the Congo River, which is huge. There's no interaction between bonobos and 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 chimpanzee. They are in different uh, distribution areas. Okay. Why do you think, and this is, I don't know, maybe there's several theories. I know we don't know for sure, but why would we have a bonobo evolve separately from a chimp? You have this animal that is so much more peaceful. Their social dynamics are different. Like, why do we have this, like, super peaceful animal over here? And then yet across the river, we have chimps who are aggressive, who have a complete different type of society. Like, what are what are the theories why these two... Like they're completely different animals. I know uh, there is different theories about it, and I'm not sure that um, someone have win. Uh, first, people were explaining it uh, through the creation of the river, the Congo River. Mm. But um, just a few years ago, they discovered that actually the the Congo River is much older. Uh, that uh, what people were thinking, they were doing research about petrol, nothing related to conservation. Yeah. <laughs> but then it, um, it responds to, to a question that we had. Um, we thought they were separated. The, re the river explained how come they, they were two, two different uh, species. But now we know that no, the river was there. I mean, this river, so it's like, you know, because there were these islands on, as, as the, the Congo River is um, evolving also, uh, it, it's like there are islands and then they could cross. Even less than a million years ago, there were some crossings. That's something that that is not like totally clearly understood how, but uh, they did cross uh, less than a million years ago. I think that was the last uh, paper published uh, about it. But the behavioral difference is, is uh, I mean, for that also there are different theories. And uh, what I actually think is making sense is that the home range of the bonobos, but not every every part of the home range, but but the majority of the home range is, is it has the highest rainfall and the richest forest in fruits and and, uh, and different food that the bonobos eat and so the theory says that the bonobos don't have to compete that much that the chimpanzees also in this uh, their home range there is no um, the distribution area there is no gorilla while the chimpanzees have to share their food with the gorilla and and the gorillas are more like staying on the ground and and the, the so and for the bonobos they can have the food uh, everywhere, like in the trees, on the ground, they don't have to compete with with the with the gorillas. And also because they have a lot more, they just don't have to um, be uh, competitive, uh, compete over food. But uh, I mean, yeah, that in itself doesn't really explain how they became uh, the way they became. And um, 
like less aggressive and and uh, females more bonding and uh, and and higher ranking and uh, so so yeah these are just theories but they're not really yet proved yeah that they're so fascinating and i know we are we just hit the one hour mark how can listeners help the friends of bonobos of the congo how can we get connected how can they help first they can talk about bonobos please talk about bonobos because not everybody knows them so please please talk about them uh, before they disappear <laughs> second all the activity that we are doing uh, needs to be funded and it's always a challenge every year it's a, lot, a challenge to make sure that we can continue our program and and honestly with the help of the people we can do so much more so much more there is always project that we cannot do because we cannot fund everything and um, with the help of the people will be able then to reach all those objectives that we have together it's it's a shared project value that we are sharing is the value that we share with the the, the conservation uh, interest the community interest and and we need more than than us to to achieve this so you you can help by talking about them by helping us doing our better job by visiting <laughs> but uh, even talk about them is 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 good enough that is absolutely amazing and what i want to do i also want to give a shout out to karen uh, kemp who put this together for us but she wanted me to mention that there are zoos there's actually uh there's not many but there are a few zoos around the world where you can see bonobos in the united states they have them at the san diego zoo the milwaukee zoo jacksonville florida they also can be found in 10 accredited zoos in europe in belgium france germany and the uk and there is one sanctuary in japan where you can see bonobos so thank you karen for putting together that list because that is amazing i've been to the san diego zoo i don't i think i may have seen a bonobo i think they were kind of hiding but they had a beautiful habitat and it's amazing that you know you're able to see them because once again they're so different from chimpanzees i wish you can see them into the wild yes waiting Corbin. Yeah, I, I seriously, <laughs> now I just have to convince my wife to be like, no, Congo's safe. I'm serious. Uh, you said fly in, fly into uh, Kenesha. Is that what you said? Kenesha, right? Kinshasa. Kinshasa. Okay. K I N S H A S A. It's the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Can you join me for the after show? And it just take a couple minutes. Of course. And listeners, if you want to listen to the after show, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max. But with that said, let's do it. Head on over to the after show. Woo! Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.